welcome to the More Than Words podcast. We are your aunties of inclusion, which I think we keep forgetting to talk about our aunties of inclusion portion of it, which is, I think, one of the most critical parts of uh, More Than Words, you know, Ah. because aunties, tias is critical. So uh, we're your hosts, Liz and Shara. Shara, come on in. Why are you laughing? You told me to introduce this. Every time we do this introduction, I just laugh and wait because you go off and I just have to wait till my part where I can say, hi, hi, I'm Shira too, right? I get excited. I, I know, just go ahead. I don't need to be here. It's fine. Just go ahead. Let it go. Let it loose. And, we, and go ahead. You were telling the, the monologue, right? Aunties, we forget about the aunties. Listen, well, we, we the aunties. We they keep know. forgetting. I know, we, we get bills and they put to the aunties. Yes. I love it. I love it. Every time I get an email <laughs> to the aunties, I'd be like, I like it, but maybe, maybe I don't because I'd be like, this collagen got to hold up. It got to hold up. You and that collagen that makes you cough all the time. It does. Every time. I don't know what it is. It could be an allergy. <laughs> don't judge me. Well, I was so nervous today. Are you nervous? I'm excited, nervous, happy, just excited. It's a it's gonna be a good episode, but we're gonna start with your auntie moment, right? First of all, you you got all. First of all, the way you are talking in these like these little short increments, your excitement is crazy. Like I'm glad you get all these feels. I'm, I'm pumped, but I'm also just like super ready to get into the conversation. Um, so if y'all don't know, we have a guest today, and I we we try to tell y'all this person was coming. So if you ain't been listening, you ain't prepared. Go back, get ready. Uh, but you got some time. You got some time. So let's talk about the auntie moment. So for those of you just joining us, our auntie moment is really around when we talk about either something that Liz and I have had happen with either our client or, you know, our sales and our many roles as moms, aunts, others, you know, pick one. I'm not a mom, but I got that auntie thing held out. Um, or we talk about some daring things that we just seen, like the, the moments where you're like, okay, that's a flex. That, that is just something we got to uh, call some attention. Or we talk about audacity, right? Somebody done said something crazy and we need to talk openly about what has happened. However, none of those things, except for this auntie TT moment is what you're going to get today. So two things happened this week that I thought was very serendipitous for me, right? Uh, so this week I've had two things. So I had two lunch, you know, t- two lunches, right? Where I was working with a client over lunch and then I had lunch with Liz and her family, so the boys and her husband. And so I'll start with the fact that I had this lunch yesterday with the boys. So if you don't know, go back, check out Liz's story about being a mom, her boys, who I love, and I pride myself on being the best TT. So I, I go to this lunch. Now, keep in mind, I'm not just any TT. I'm the TT with the T-shirt, right? I have done my work. I know what the boys like. I got the Pokemon shirt on. If you like, see my, my face, if you see my face, my eyes, my eyebrows are way up here because she always has gifts. And yes. where did the wardrobe come? Like, did you have Star Wars and Pokemon? And yes. I, you I had these before or did you buy them specifically? Uh, I, nope. I, your eyes. Nope. Maybe. Your eyes told me everything. Maybe. All right, go ahead. To solidify the TT, you got to connect. You got to connect with the kids, right? So anyway, I got these. I got all, I did buy it. You're right. I brought it. This is how I can make a good impression. You're right. It it happened. Okay, it's out the bag. 
So anyway, we go, we have lunch. The boys, we in the zone, right? I'm in the TT moment. Let me tell you how these parents treat me. So they got the boys saddled. We at, we're eating, we're getting ready to eat. The boys say, can I tell you a joke? See, in that moment, I want to be the best TT of all time. So I'm like, yeah, tell me a joke. I should have noticed the posture of the parents where they was like, lean back, enjoying their meal. And they like, let it go. Let it leave. Uh, let them unleash. When I tell you, these kids start off real simple. They was like, hey, so what does the, the, the cow do on the weekend? They're like, what? I was like, oh, I know. They go to the movies. They like, no, the movie. So, okay, you get the gist, right? We're in that zone of questioning and coach, uh, uh, joking. So they, they, they get to it, right? So you think I got a couple under my belt. I'm like, I'm doing my TT thing. Second, three, 17 more questions later, didn't get nothing else. Not one, not one more of their joke I got. P.S. The parents did not give me a lifeline. Not one. They watched me go down the ship. Yep. And not only that, Stewart had the nerve to start feeding them jokes that I didn't know <laughs> even more. So I'm batting two to 17, y'all, literally. But let me tell you why this is important to the client. And, and shout out to the parents for allowing me to experience this. Is I had a client um, um, earlier that week who was telling me about how they, and, and really this, this conversation really wasn't about coach. It was more like a consultation. And the client was basically saying, they have been in these familiar places, like in this role in DNI for a long time. And the people that she had been working with was a mix of people been with her for a while and some new folks. And she was saying at the moment that they had been so good and these confident, they were having all these quick wins. They were doing all these things and something shifted last week where they were questioning, where it was just a little uneasy. People were not in the space of being comfortable as they were because it wasn't as many wins coming up for them. So as I think about these two spaces, right? I'm playing with my boys, they, we loving on each other. And then I think about this, um, or, this organizational situation. It's like, how do you show up in the moment, right? As a leader or as a person in that experience when things get a little uncomfortable. I was in my space where auntie normally got the answers and the jokes too, and I wasn't winning. I was losing pretty, pretty heartfelt. My client was in the space. She had been super confident, great wins, but the team had started to come uncomfortable, right? They were getting more difficult questions. They weren't necessarily as confident about the next steps because they were further out. And I said, the difference between these two situations that I thought both of them needed, right? The kids basically spent a lot of time when I wasn't getting those answers, they were doing a great job of sharing, giving me um, hints like, oh no, you can do it. So think about it. It's a cow. They go move. They do, you know what I mean? They lean more in to say, you are not alone. We're going to figure this out together, but I'm not stopping, right? We're together. We're not stopping. And by the way, we can still be in community and have a good time and focus on this together. The client on the other side was like, I'm starting to get nervous. Should I pull back from, right? In that moment, that was the prime moment. Those kids showed me in that moment. That's what, that's what we talked about, which was, you lean in, you re-engage yeah. with folks. It's hard. It, that is, it's very hard. You know, that I was wondering how you were going to connect those two. I was like, my kids gave you some really bad dad jokes, AKA they were horrible. credit they to were Stuart. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> they have they a dad, they have a dad joke calendar. So that's where they get a lot of their material from. And 
you know, one of my oldest sons, aside from working for Pixar, which is that's what he wants to do. He also wants to do stand up comedy. I don't know. And an artist. He just wants to do it all. But that's okay. He's like his mom. Um, but it is so hard for going back to the organizations, right? And even in your personal self too, when you start thinking about when things get difficult, what are your reactions? You think it's seemingly easier to pull back. And I say it's seemingly easier because it's going to be hard either way. I think you're going to have consequences from pulling back and not leaning in. You're also, it's going to be hard because you're going to have these difficult conversations so pick your heart. Yeah. What what and and also thinking about what your ultimate impact is. So I think that's that's a good TT moment. That's a good yeah. one. You, usually we have like audacious moments and uh Yeah. No, this wasn't audacious. It was actually pretty I mean it was interconnected and I think the thing the outcome that the client had since you know this uh, this happened before the boys was really that they realized how much they had forgot to re-engage with the group, right? Yeah. How they had just, you know, oftentimes we get the buy-in and we just go, right? But we have to keep that check-in, like, okay, keep where on are checking people? In. Keep on people checking People are in. growing. People are growing. Things are being more advanced. Topics are coming. How are mm-hmm. you re-engaging? How are you lifting the team? How are you making sure you're building the interconnectedness of what it is we're going? And that's why when we facilitate, we always go back to the collective, right? Where mm-hmm. pulse check? Where is everybody at? Like, let's let's check in with everyone. Like, what? Where is? Because ultimately, it's we we meet people where they're at. And we do these pulse checks. We do that individually in our coaching. We do a coach in our coaching groups. We also do it when we facilitate these discussions and we're, you know, using our coaching skills as well too. Mm -hmm. So good auntie moment. So are we ready? I could do the Arsenio Honda. No, I'm not going to do it because our guest is going to be like, what do you do with Liz? (laughs) Liz, that's not about- your time period. Just let it go. Stop trying to bring it back. That's not your time period. It was I really went back fun. and I, I talked to my mom. She's like, yeah, Mija, you used to watch that, but it was reruns. So she did confirm. Exactly. I, I thought it was live though. But anyways, we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll fill, we'll fill in our guest on this. Please so, don't. We, you want to do, you want to do the introduction? No, you go. Start with, and I'm going to come in. Go ahead. We're gonna. Go oh, you're gonna you're gonna way. swoop right in. Swoop yeah. in. Yeah. So our guest, ha- I am so excited. So Shara and I, in this journey that we're in, and starting a podcast, this is definitely beyond our comfort zone. But the person, the organization, I would say that really inspired us to be brave and to really look at ourselves, be that mirror, and that's part of the teachings as well, too. Um. And, um, and I, and I, I think if we hadn't gone through that experience, I don't think we would be here today in doing our podcast today. Like, I think it would have happened eventually, but it would have been way down the line. And I think, I think that's, I'm just, I'm just so excited. Our guest today is Dr. Tawana Burroughs. She is the CEO and owner of Coach Diversity Institute, which is where if you heard um, one of our after hours uh, content, our interview questions that we had, you'll know what coaching program that Shara and I went to. And um, also our consortium as well, too. We are all CDI alums. So she's created this community of empowered individuals who are changing the way coaching looks and feels and, and, and its impact. So 
Yes. You want to do your intro? Yes. I just want to say, so when I chose, so I did a lot of research, as y'all know, I like to research, um, to which program I was going to do. And when I found Coach Diversity, being the only uh, coaching um, certification that focused with the lens of diversity, I um, reached out to Tawada and I was like, hey, you know, I found this program, right? First of all, you know, I didn't know who I was talking to, right? Clearly, clearly on the phone. And she's like, no, yeah, come. You know, this is this is one of those things where, you know, it's really important. I think you'll get a lot out of, right? It was so vague, but I read enough material. I felt comfortable. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I think it's, this is a good investment. So you get there. And when Tawana is a Black woman, right? And as a Black woman, sometimes you're like, wait, hold on. This is, okay, I see you. What are we doing here? What are we doing here, role modeling me, right? She has this amazing business, but more so an amazing presence, right? So honest who she's going to be. So you're going to get the presence of her. But when I tell you, not only did the program change me, but seeing a, a person that looked like me running their own, had a vision, right? Running their own business, keeping it authentic, not to just who she is, but to each of the people that come into the space and not only do just those things to make you feel comfortable and included but for you to immediately like day one you start to learn like not just learn and like oh I get the concept but you're applying like you are literally finding pieces of yourself like little trails on this journey that you have gotten on and I mean it's the biggest enlightening moments of your life and so for me to see someone that looked like me from the same place that I'm from to say you can cast a vision that impacts the whole world by just spending and in being intentional in who you are, authentic to who you are, and including others. That has been my remit. Like it's very, it was very clear when I walked out. Like okay, this is who I am. This is who I have space now to be. And now my job is to give it to others and and and, and make sure that that impact is the bridge for so many people. So with that said, we want to welcome Dr. Tawana Burroughs uh, to the show. Yay. <laughs> I am so, I mean, I love listening to you two go. What <laughs> in the world? <laughs> I love it on so many levels. Yeah, I'm so, like, well, I don't know. I was thinking while y'all were talking auntie style, I was like, does that make me mama? No. Oh no, we're all we're all Thea's and aunties. Okay, yes. okay good. Yeah. Everybody. I, I know I'm no. in that age racket, but you know, help me. <laughs> no. TT is for everybody. All right. for everybody. Oh, so we TTs, we're aunties. Yes. Because you know what it is? It's the it's that it's that opportunity because we have the experience and we we're there to guide others and be the support for others. But at the same time, we gotta sometimes be hard on them. Like, no, yeah. hey, let's yeah. get in shape. Get in yeah. shape. We're the confidence. I mean, I I spent yesterday with my nieces and they are my heart and just gold. And I just like they know it's coming. And especially after going through your program, Tawana, they're like <laughs> Okay, here we go. She's going to start asking us questions. <laughs> oh, I was like, I'm just curious. She's like, they're like, you don't even know that it comes on, Thea. It just comes on. And then you text us questions too. And it's always like, so 
what's going on with this? Or what do you think is holding you back from doing this? And what are you so scared? What are you afraid of? <laughs> like, can you stop? I know. I love it. But you know, it's the seed planting, even if they're not ready to answer the question, it is the seed planting moment. And the, you know, we talk about it in class that the power of asking questions um, is, you know, we believe everyone knows how to ask great questions. You know, we had the Barbara Walters and the Oprah Winfrey style of question answer, you know, um, type format. But when we're in class, we're teaching students how to take that questioning to a whole nother level um, and how to listen like you've never listened before. And so even if the client and or they are not ready, it's still planting a seed. And so we don't necessarily expect people to always answer us, but if we throw something out there, it's bait. They take it or they not. So I do I do appreciate this whole, first, thank you. The invitation is wonderful. I am so honored to be here. It's such a huge moment whenever I'm able to see partnerships like this from out of the classroom. I mean, it's, it, it's absolutely telling about the family, super energy, the connection, the community that exists within our space. And I just love seeing you all do this. And I think I, I'm jealous that I don't have a mug. I'm jealous. You don't have my You're mug. getting one. Don't worry. You're you getting one. It's You're going to get one. It's coming. <laughs> so don't you, worry. Look, everybody who's watching and looking and listening needs a, a mug. The thing's super cute. So, okay. <laughs> I love it. All right. So, where are we starting? So, we usually like to start with the diversity wheel, right? And uh, I think uh, so. We've had a chance to share the diversity wheel with you. And one of the things that we've taken on our journey is, you know, we really want to start off not with what you do, but who are you? right? Who are you at the essence? What's your value? What are those things that matter to you? What are those things that you show up in the world as? And what's the impact of that, right? And so the reason I, I, it's so many places we could go in this conversation. I do want to tell the audience, please pull your seat up because not just a lot of girls don't always I'm share sit back. at all. So if you are in the CDI program, you walk out and you be like, I done learned all this life skills. And you're like, well, who is Dr. Tawana Burroughs though? She just don't give you, she gives you enough to know who she is. But I'm telling you right now, if you a CDI alum or you currently in the program, pull up. Cause I want to know, tell me, give me all the tea. Cause I got my tea. <laughs> there's never enough time in class to kind of you know get to know beyond because you know we're on a tight schedule I gotta pour into you all before you leave I can't you know a little period a little there but when we're able to do this it really is nice um so you want me to start with that that yeah. big question who am I yeah. okay well first of all I am um a single parent household mother of two my oldest is uh, an amazing um, contributor to the workforce. She's 26. She's an adult. Um, she is also an officer in the Army. Um, she's in the Army National Guard. My youngest is, I like to talk to my kids first because they're my wife. Um, my youngest is about to turn 12. He's entering the seventh grade, those middle school years. Watch out. Um, so he is extremely active and he keeps me going. He keeps me relevant. He keeps me on TikTok, all the things that matter right now. Okay. So, um, but that is who I am outside of the classroom. Um, the other thing I would like to say as a, um, as a Black 
woman. So I heard you, Cheryl, when you were saying that earlier, as a Black woman, Wakanda forever. Yes. Um, I, I absolutely uh, understand representation. And um, I... I am a woman of a certain age who has lived through three decades of diversity, equity, inclusion, and education and learning. So how I have navigated through this world as a problem solver, as a woman committed to creating a world for my children to survive, to thrive in, not just survive, that is who I am. I am a change agent. I'm a change maker. I'm a catalyst. I'm a disruptor. Um, all the things I try to do in the classroom because it is students like these two here that come to class, they show up as superpowers by themselves. And then I have the privilege and honor of laying a skill on top of all of that. And then they leave and keep changing the world. So I am the best behind the scenes uh, change agent and I teach world changers. So I think that's, that's enough. We, should we just end this podcast? Yeah, I didn't know we're done. Sherman was going to TikTok. I mean, just let's go TikTok on. it. Yeah, just let's goodness. This, we're done. That that was the whole <laughs> show. Did you, did you put your cape on today? Did you look, put your cape on? Like, where we started? You know, look, look, so look, so here we're at, we're in a very interesting time in our nation here in the United States, but globally, we're in a very interesting space. If you are wondering who you are, the time is now to figure that out. Yeah. Time is now to figure that out. Uh, we know that, you know, as we're journeying um, through the pandemic and all the other challenges politically, I think we get pushed around when we are anchored in something. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think uh, my commitment now more than ever is to, you know, when you say, who are you? I stay with the thing that's most important. I'm a, I'm a single household parent, but I have two amazing children and I do everything because I want the world to be better for them. And that alone um, charges me every day to meet people like you who have a mission for change for your own why, right? And so, but you know, go ahead. I mean, so a couple of things that you said in your, in your who, like I who you are, I completely resonate with because I came into CDI in a time where I was coming off of a, a re like I just completely lost myself. And CDI, I went in there with an expectation. I was like, oh, this is going to be a training. You know, I, I see where it's going to go. Like, I went in there and I was floored. I laid on my living room floor and going, oh, my God, I really need to pour my heart out. And by the time we got to the third session, then I was like, oh, oh, no, I know who I am. I know exactly. She's always been there. She has just had to shift shape because I come from a Latin background and I've always had to assimilate. I've always had to, I call myself a chameleon, which is great because I can shift change in multiple situations. I can deal with multiple different people in it, which is a great thing. But in turn, I've also lost myself and I didn't know who I was and how to define myself. And, and I, and I remember when I, cause I, I, I speak a lot, which is, you know, one of the things in our classes, like I'm always like, Oh, I have something to say. <laughs> I, I love something it. To say. But it's like what CDI did for me, and I don't think I've ever shared this with you, or maybe we did in our discovery call. I thought my success was defined a certain way. 
And it wasn't my definition of success. So I redefined what that success meant for me. And I saw someone like, like you, a woman of color, very powerhouse person showing up in spaces exactly who you are. And I am a disruptor at work. And for a long time, I wasn't able to be that disruptor because my parents and my culture and my background taught me, don't do that. Nuh-uh, we don't do that. You do what you're asked to do. You you just say yes and you go and mm-hmm. do it and figure it out at all costs. And I'm like, heck no, I'm not doing that anymore because it's doing it at the expense of me and who I am and I'm getting lost. Yeah. And so you've unleashed somebody in me. Okay. Come on, Unleash. Come on through with the Unleashing. Liz, I think that the gift that you give to your audience in that last uh, statement is that when you embrace the fact that shape-shifting, code-switching, when you realize that there are times when it's needed and necessary and it does not take anything away from who you are, that you're navigating in spaces based on other people's comfortability to be in your, your presence. So you're Mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to help you because you don't know what to do with me. Mm -hmm. I'll help you because you don't know how to translate me. So I'm going to do it for you for a period of time. Then I'm going to shift you to a place of understanding and give so that you can respect me in the same way I respect you. And then we can meet in the middle, make it a win-win. So a lot of times it sounds something like this. Let's say you're in a meeting. And uh, you have the majority voices speaking and your presence is still being ignored, even though you have all the brilliance and intelligence to be in that moment, you are feeling out like double dutch. When can I get in that debate? Like, when can I get in this moment? So you're dump, trying to like time it. And then you realize that they may not even ever ask. To be able to adjust in a situation like that, it would be to present the opportunity for comment. You raise your hand and you say, excuse me, may I present something to you? Because the powers that be are saying, we need to give you permission to speak. May I add comment? And they were like, sure, sure, go ahead. And then once you have the mic and the floor, play full out. The point is, is that you have to know your environment. Some people would prefer to just say, jump in without giving respect to the powers or the gatekeepers in the space. So you have to knock on the door and be let in. Some people don't like that idea. Some people are like, why should I do that? Why? Why? Well, first of all, you don't own the table. You don't own the mic. You don't own the room. So sometimes it requires you to shift a little bit for the moment until you respectfully gain the um, respect, gain presence, and gain the uh, attention that's needed for the moment. So I really appreciate how you say that because, like I said, in the season we're in now of in the, our country, we want to believe that the world is ready for us to just be, you know, unapologetically yeah. out. That's not, it's not today. That's not now. We're still gently positioning ourselves in some industries, other places, you can be loud and proud, do whatever you feel like you can do, but be mindful that there are other places we still must encourage people to be clear and present, um, but, uh, and understand the terms that you are working within. So Liz, thanks for that contribution. And I know, Sherry, you understand this being, of course, you were corporate girls, 
corporate women, you know what it means to reduce yourself for someone else. Yes. See, and to that point, I guess, you know, uh, to give another perspective about where you may be before you come into a program like this, you know, when I came into the program, I was like, okay, my box too small. Like, but I was scared, right? So for example, grew up in DC, I got out, right? That's not normal, right? Like that's not normal to get out, right? And have support from the people who you leave behind, right? Outside of family. Got out of that box, boom, I'm out, incredible hawk. Got an education, incredible hawk, right? And then all of a sudden I get into corporate America and the table changes every year, right? Who leads, who mindsets you need to get the permission for. You start to start to morph and code switch so frequently that you almost have to either compartmentalize who you are from a work and then who you are personal, which I did, or you have to assimilate, right? You have to just build this persona that's least like you, that is prioritized or focused on what it is you're doing versus who you are. And so I wasn't in that box. I came in, I was like, okay, listen, I don't play this game. I'm about tired of this game. So I'm in my box. I'm like, I was scared to jump out of this one because I don't got enough people around me who done did this that look like me and can, and this is successful. So that's why when I when I got to the CDI program, I see Tawana, Dr. Tawana Burroughs, and I also see other people, right? Other people of color, other demographics who were in the same box. Like, man, why are you so great? Like, you so dope. Oh my gosh, that's what you do for a living? Why are we in this room? Like, what? And I realized who I was in that moment. I was like, well, you know, I'm in this room with y'all. So that means I have some of this too. That box started to peel back. It wasn't right. a bus out because the safety wasn't there. But the, I started to open it up like, okay, I might have something here. Uh-oh, it's me. Uh-oh. It is so, that is actually one of my questions. It's like, how, Tawana, how do you put people together? Because like, I, we have a WhatsApp group and I've gone to visit my cohorts. Like they are, they are now, I make a lot of people in my family. Shara gets oh, mad at me all the time. But I go. do. Here we I, go. I make up my cousins, my family, my tias, my whatever, you know. And um, I've visited people and it's like, I feel like I've known you my entire life because yes. you went through this experience together. But agree, Shara, that's where my my redefinition of success came from the program as well. But mostly it came from the other members of the cohort, the other mm -hmm. students. Because I saw, I was like, wow, they are powerhouses. They are doing incredible things. And I hate asking this question because I hate asking this question, but it's like, well, why not me? Yeah. Like, what am I doing? I, I know that there's a bigger impact in this world. What am I doing? Yes. And it starts with realizing that you're not alone. It starts there. Just like you said. So you, the first thing that happens in the room is the lights are cut on and you start seeing a reflection of yourself in some way. And you realize that all of you are in some way having a shared experience and different for every, whatever the different reasons are, the curriculum will rise to the occasion and meet you right where you are. But the gift is knowing that you are not alone in that space. There is a common denominator of I am powerful, but I am in a box. I am powerful, but I'm not seen, heard, respected, appreciated, or valued. That's what's common. And when you find out that everyone is in that room in the moment, it's like, I am ready with more introduction of curriculum, phase by phase, step by step, 
We, we push you through that space of self-awareness to where they're pretty badass. When people leave that class environment, they have stakes in the ground. They know their values. They know their non-negotiable terms for life. And they are, and they know how to re to reset whenever they need to reset for a particular environment. They know how to do that without me or without being in a classroom environment, because they have the tools to use to say, you know what, this is no longer serving me. Mm-hmm. I, it's time to change. Yeah, it's time. And, to I'll, and I'll say that toolkit. So first of all, anybody listening, let me just tell you how hard this class is hard, right? This this experience is hard. I'm not even gonna lie. So if you're looking at this, you think you lightly gonna come in here and change your life's gonna change? No, no, you're going through all the work. And I had to kind of put it in context. I said it's like tethering and untethering, right? It's like I have decided that I want to be a part of this movement, so I want to connect. Oh, this is hard. You talking about my values, my life, my inhibitions, the things that hold me back. I don't like it untethered. <laughs> uh-uh, not today, not today. Then you got to reconnect. I invested money in this. What it, what, what's coming up for me? One of the first questions you got, what's coming up, right? You come up in this, you come up till you tether back again. Okay, let me lean back in and be a little bit more vulnerable. But it is a process in which, you know, from a coaching perspective, as you go through this experience for yourself and you're, you're being coached and learning how to coach at you the uh, at the same time that the power of really valuing the human experience, like reconnecting to the core of that is what I started to take away. I did not realize how far disconnected I was from not just myself, but from the humanity of others because I had been corporately changed. Yes. Right. Or I had put it in a box to say, oh, when I'm not at work, then, you know, I, I can be a loving and caring person. Like, whoa, wait a minute. That's not how, who I am. That's not how I show up. And I could see business pieces coming through at work when I make decisions. And they're like, you know, that's that's a little bit more different than how we would do it. And I'm like, well, that seems like the right thing to do. It would just kind of fall out. But the the magic of this program and really what I wanted to ask is, when you thought about putting this program together, for me to have all of these experiences through your program in such the time in which you created it, you know, when you were thinking about it, what was your vision? Like, what was the thing that came up for you that you knew you had to build this? And then how did it come out? Because I, I ain't gonna lie to what I doesn't try to think through like, okay, how am I gonna do me think about a program? And I'm thinking if it ain't this quality, I don't want to do it. Right. So, you know, it, when I came up with this idea, it was because I had gone through coach training myself, a wonderful school, um, and I didn't like being the only one or one of few and having questions very specific to my lived experience that nobody in that room could answer. Nobody could address. And that frustrated me because as a, a person who has a quite successful I knew how powerful this skill was and I knew that it could really serve me. So I said, you know what, what if I take this and begin to like work within myself and my own challenge and frustration as a woman of color um, of a certain age who's transitioning for corporate America, who's leaving her corporate identity, which is a huge, you know, that's money right there, right? Corporate mm-hmm. identity is boys. Shedding that is like second skin. It's like, whoo, who am, you know, the identity piece after that that was a hard thing. So for me, it was uh, first, 
I need to find more people who are similar to me um, culturally, um, you know, religiously, ethnically, you know, whatever, um, to be able to say, how are you using this to help people from your community? How are you using this skill to help people who are struggling in very particular ways, those from historical marginalized community? So yeah. what we call now the global majority. So the global majority have cultural pockets that have very different experiences and there's no coaching curriculum that's out there that wasn't gonna address it. Mm. So I wanted to uh, take that dive and I started with the Black Life Coaches Network first. I said, if I can make this work, then I can take those lessons, do some more research, and then design a particular curriculum that could help, again, push the idea of how do I empower communities that have been historically marginalized? Because I knew no matter how many nonprofits were out in the community, no matter how many of trillions of dollars are fed into communities to help empower them for economic or uh, social change, et cetera, nothing was going to stick besides deepening self-awareness, a commitment to self, understanding values, what are your triggers, you know, disempowering thoughts, psychological safety, some of those things. Because mm -hmm. without that, those programs are going to always exist in the communities. Mm -hmm. yeah, and they're always absolutely. going to meet the needs of the organization and not the people in those communities. Yeah. So that's why I uh, I took the deep dive and I I met some amazing people that helped to move us along the way. And, you know, Gloria was, I think, the instructor. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Gloria and I partnered back in 2016, uh, 2015. And I shared with her what my vision was. We sat down and we beat that, that idea of, the journey, the transformational journey um, of uh, women of color first. Then we went back in to do the same thing as men by talking to people, doing more research. And then we just said, okay, now it's time to put it in the classroom and test it and then redesign based on the feedback. And it was a go after that. 2016, we launched that first class and it hasn't, it hasn't stopped. So, Tawana, I'm curious, as someone who... Um, wants to make a huge impact in the world. And you always like, again, I thought about like, why not me? And I always feel that my impact is, is greater. That's why we started this podcast because there's an impact for us that's bigger than us. As someone that jumped off that on the deep dive and, and very successful, and you were already, like you said, you were already very successful and you kind of came out of this corporate mindset and went into and shifted into something very scary very like I I wake up sometimes and I'm like I go and journal I'm like I got the armpit sweats it's yes. happening today mm -hmm. um, what was your because I love to hear the success stories but I like the grit I like to know what like what were your biggest lessons learned and if and I'm and and if you could share also too like what was your scariest moment yeah the scariest moment was our first inaugural class, the first one. That was the scariest because we knew what we, we knew it was good, but it was, you know, we didn't know how good, you know what I mean? It's like, you got to test it. So the hardest yeah. part, I'm a scientist, you know, I'm a chemist and a mathematician. So testing and research, that's my jam. So the hardest, most scary thing is to put it in the world, to give birth and say, okay, everybody, here it is. My baby cute or is my baby ugly? 
you know, and that's what happened. So thankfully, everybody said, your baby's so cute. And it just went from there. <laughs> your that baby is scary. beautiful. Your I'm going to hashtag that yeah. one. I'm going to hashtag that one. Your baby's you cute. <laughs> yes. That was the moment. I mean, I was, we, I will never forget it. Gloria and I, and I, you know, love her so much. We, we held hands the night before after we set up the classroom and we just set intentions and you know about intentions. We talked about that. Yes. Like, what do you want to happen? So we set intentions and we showed up with all full force to, to deliver this curriculum. And I tell you, we were gifted the most amazing community of students at the time. Um, that was the scariest moment, Liz. And I tell you the other thing, like the, the ickiness and the other, the sloppy stuff um, is when you're first starting out and the how slow things can appear to be. It's like, oh my God, it's gonna take forever for us to really gain momentum, the marketing and all that stuff. And it feels like an IV drip to you know where your where your vision really is. And so the hard part is sustaining that desire, like keeping that desire, that momentum, those intentions when things get tough when mm. the money is not in, in that quarter, mm-hmm. when you go quarter to quarter and you set goals and you don't live and you don't meet that goal. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, okay, that didn't work. How do we improve it? That didn't work. How do we improve it? And we keep what is working and just keep building, right? Having a foundation without cracks. So people prefer to just build a hurry up, make that money, but the foundation may be unstable. So the grit is being able to sustain a pattern of patience, resilience, um, testing, retest, accountability, and enduring the lean months to ensure you have a strong foundation. That, uh, thank you for sharing that because, and um, I'm smiling because I have my husband in the next room and I can see him right now. He goes, I told you so, I told you so. <laughs> Because he, um, he, I'm, I am a recovering perfectionist. I like to say so when things are not perfect, and I also am an accountant. My background, well, I'm not an accountant anymore. I do accounting, um, and and a part of that is perfection, right? And it's this like you balance your balance sheet. It is perfect. It's beautiful, but it's actually not right. And then you have this false sense of security when you're yeah. in corporate America. And you're thinking in your mind, this is what success is. This is safe. This is secure. There's money flowing in. But what are the things that you're giving up? And what are the risks that you're taking there? And what is your hard here versus like, you're really going to put your impact and your your goals to the side because of fear? Like what, what's happening there? And that is a, and then again, we talk about in class, coaches need coaches, you know, you know, you, you need to surround yourself with an amazing board, personal board of directors where people can advise you when things get tough, when you want to quit, when you second guess all of who you are, I, you know, how many times, you, you know, you know, after a certain period of time, you know what you're really good at, you know, mm-hmm. but yet in the moment you're like, Ooh, is it going to work again? Is it, is it going to work again? Well, yeah, yeah. it's going to work again. The, 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 the ability to stand and say, I'm going to deliver this again and again. I'm doing it because I love it. Not that I like it. Not that I'm trying to pay bills. What's the motivation behind this? Because you, you, we, when it gets tough, you got to know why yeah. you're doing this. Yeah. So hey, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. 
I was going to say, you were talking about being a change and having impact in the world. So you guys have this amazing new platform where you're going to be attracting all of these Tia's and you're going to be bringing in all of this, you know, beautiful, beautiful rainbow of amazing, super powerful people. You're thinking the planet Earth. You're thinking planet Earth big. You know how big that is? We're reminded every day. (laughs) If I can get you to scale it for just a little bit and just say, if you just took the Pacific Northeast or the East Coast and just say, I'm going to be grand and amazing just in this region. Mm -hmm. If I'm expanded past this region or past the continent, into other continents, then that's that's gravy. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's overflow. If my intention is to be great in the United States or to be great within the Pacific Northeast, then I'm going to be great in that moment. That's foundation building. Mm-hmm. Anything else is overflow. Because anything else that comes around, it's like, oh, that's a new market. We're expanding. But you've already built the foundation in the market and you perfected the market you were in. So when I say you're not global impact, that's significant in size, right? That's like mm-hmm. Amazon times 20. Mm-hmm. So we already know what that what that demand would look like, right? So then scaling that and saying, you know what? Because I've set my intentions, we're going to be great. This is our mission. This is our vision. These are the, our goals we're going to set. These are our milestones we're going to hit year after year. These are the goals monetarily we're going to hit. And you are committed to that. And you, you know, reset goals again in the new year and again the following year. But again, that's the foundation part. But I need you to scale it to say, what's my impact regionally before I say what's my impact nationally or what's my impact nationally before I say globally that's foundation building well I I I first of all whoever don't got their notebook out I just can't I can't with you turn us off just turn us off right now because you're not ready because that because that spirit just moved so fast through that little that was your business plan and strategy in the nutshell. I, I we charging. That wasn't free. We coming back for that. We coming back for that. Uh, but you know, cash app girl. Oh, I'm telling you. I was like, wait a minute now. We gonna get that sale because I don't know what cash app going with those taxes. Let me holler at y'all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna taxes. You know, Liz, teach me. Liz, teach me. Um, so <laughs> I say that. Please don't come get me. Um, I will say one of the things you said was motivations, and what it triggered was. Um, you know, we, we, we had our, you know, intake, well, not being our introduction or reconnection call before we actually did this podcast and you were sharing so much about your values. And so in my mind, when you think of, when I say motivations, I'm always trying to find my own connection to that place in which I've set where my values for safety and security, which we both share and the need to the need to embrace this DNI piece where you define it and has defined it as freedom and liberation. And I also define it as the way for a person to truly show up authentically in the world. And I always gotta go back to how do I stop myself when that trigger come up, where my yes. motivation and my triggers are playing against me, for me, against me, for me, and figure mm-hmm. it out that balance. So I wanted to just hear and offer that to our audience who we've had a number of people who've asked us about, you know, how do you get past the fear of um, taking that big leap either for yourself or in your role or in your job 
or just trying something new because you've been in such a pattern of comfort. Um, and then those who co-switch all the time, who's like, I like that the code gives me the results versus what is the opposite of that. Absolutely. Now, Sharon, I grew up in Washington, D.C. There's a culture in every major city and sometimes around, you know, certain zones within the city. But within D.C., Liz, um, let me just kind of frame this for you. In D.C., the culture of this city is to not trust anyone, even if they're family. Okay? Mm -hmm. Even if they're family, you can't trust anyone. And all this, a lot of cities operate that, but D.C., as small as it is, it is super strong and it kind of lives in the fabric of the city. You trust no one, even if they're related to you. So safety and security are super important values while you're growing up. One, because when you leave your house, you want to be able to return home in one piece, right? So we grew up in a time where it was very difficult. Even though I'm older than her, she is, I my my season was harder than her season and progressively mm -hmm. got better generation after generation. But I will say that part of the culture existed for many, many decades. So with that being said, it is tapping into one, the self-awareness. I know what is true about me is that I trust slowly. Mm. And that would apply anywhere in my life. I'm slow to trust someone. You must prove you are worthy of my trust, okay? So if I know that about myself, let me put that up there. I also know other values that are important to me that I'm centering my life around. Many people don't know their values. They don't know what makes them tick, what makes them operate and navigate in the world. So what you're what you're what you're explaining is is when you're triggered, you're the reason why you're triggered is because one of your non-negotiables is at stake. Something that is super important to you that you may or may not be aware of in that moment is being compromised. Okay? So Someone is hurting my family. Someone is, I don't feel safe in your presence. I don't trust you. So integrity is a thing. I don't trust you. So whatever your values are, they're, they're the, that's your radar. Yeah. So in that moment, that the wanting to quit and give up and where that fear comes from is also surrounding you regarding what is it that's going on in that moment that is wrapped around those values that you are out of alignment. You're out of alignment in this moment. What is it about this next move do you feel? What is it about this move or that person or this organization? What is it about that place that's causing you to feel like you need to second guess yourself, that it's not safe, you, it's making you feel some kind of way? What is it? And be honest about what it is. Okay, so we're in DEI, right? So mm -hmm. let's talk about some of the things that potentially can come up. So the reason why I am triggered and I want to quit or I feel like I'm not good enough or may have what they call imposter syndrome is because I don't trust the represented group in this space. I don't trust, you know, uh, the uh, middle-aged white woman that is the majority in this space. I don't trust them. So now I'm second guessing everything about myself in that moment because I, what I am perceiving as a threat. Okay. And so it's being able to know and ask your clients or even ask yourself, what is it about this thing that's bringing me the most fear or what are the fears? Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough in this moment. They may judge me. They, meaning middle, middle-aged white men, women will judge me and I may not be good enough for them. 
they may see me as not being good enough. So there is a conversation we must have with ourselves versus just saying, I'm afraid, I want to quit. It's not for me. It's not the right time. What we talk about, and as you guys are both really great coaches, what you unpack with your client is what is it that's creating that fear or that sense of insecurity in this moment or whatever it is, and let's unpack that and talk it out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what we do is revisit that again and again, Cheryl, because we're always asking the same fears keep showing up. So first of all, can you identify those fears and have that conversation with that fear? It's like, I know you're there, but can you go sit on the corner for just like 30 minutes until I get through this moment? Because I know you're going to show back up again next week. But just for right now, I need you not to be here because I got some stuff to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, la- I'm laughing. Because- go ahead. I know. Say it, man. Go on and say it. So I named... I named my doubter. <laughs> Her name is Maria. All right. Come okay. On with the truth. Come and on with the truth. I know. I, I don't think I've shared this with the podcast, but her name is Maria. Same thing. When I start seeing a lot of things, my fears coming up, the things that like, and a lot of it is generational, right? It's a it's things that I've seen recently, like things that I've I've seen going back to my great grandmother. And, and you start talking because you start having more open conversations and you start prompting questions to your family members. And, um, and in Houston, for, in my experience, like we don't have the, the trusting thing in our culture and in, in, in Houston and a lot of cultures is you only trust your family and you trust them blindly. And, um, so Maria comes up. Maria is that person that um, she is like, uh, you can't do that. You you said you were going to go to school and graduate. And now you're better than everyone because none of us have education. So now you're in a different world. You also married a white guy, a British guy. And so now you you think you're better than everybody. Right. So there's there's this like constant critique and constant like putting you down thinking that you can't do this but at the same time you have to blind blindly trust me you have to blindly support me and if you don't things are going to go bad for you so maria likes to come in and do this so i tell her maria you need to go back there go go do whatever you're doing sit down <laughs> i talk to her crazy i talk to maria crazy just so you know when liz i start hearing that be like maria come here pull up let me talk to you because this is my girl. It. You're not doing that. You're not doing that today. But I and also I- saw, uh, but I, I also saw, because one of the questions that I had for you, Tawana, is so you have like the trust and the safety aspect and you're aware of it. Is the goal to never have that? Or do you see that those things that you've, you've carried since you were a kid, something that was a learned behavior, do you see those as in some way or shape or form also benefiting you? Or should you just be like, I shouldn't ever be like that. Like that's a bad thing to be. No, I embrace it. I embrace the fact that since childhood from my community of upbringing, trust and safety is super important. Integrity was then added later, right? So there are things that I recognize that there is not going to go anywhere. It is who I, it's a part of the fabric of who, that makes me Tawana. And in my personal life, in my personal, most intimate spaces, people who know me like my children, they know mom is going to struggle with this. 
you know, <laughs> she goes, she goes struggle with this. And because they know that, and I love them so much because they know when my fear shows up, because it's typically around how I can't, I am not able to control the environment. I am not able to control certain things. And there are times when I have to have that conversation, like, yo, Maria, okay. I don't know what I'm going to name. Maybe I'm name my middle name is Clarice because she's so a part of me. My middle name is Clarice. So maybe Clarice needs to understand that when she and I are bumping heads, there are two things at play. One, it's trying to protect me and the people that I love. Yeah. But at the same time, she's about to get in my way um, to, um, to, from experiencing life differently. Mm-hmm. So what's the compromise? What's the win-win between me and Clarice? So that is, so the negotiating of that space, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop being Clarice. It is who I am. She lives in me. I embrace it. I also have to inform people around me. Hey, I got this thing named Clarice and she going to show up from time to time. You may not like her like you like Tawana, but just know this is it. So the way you all just did that, I love it so much because that's the conversation that many people in your audience are having internally. Mm-hmm. They just never, they haven't named it. And yeah. so I'm not trying to kick her out. I'm like, she, Clarice is six years old. She's six. And she walks around in high heel shoes as a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's willing to jump in and fight. She got always mm-hmm. got my six. Mm-hmm. she'll be on the battleground I saw her when she turned 12 I saw her when she turned 18 you follow me I yeah. know I know her and because she's got my six I'm I need to check in with her sometimes because mm-hmm. I'm the, the free side Tawana's like you can trust more and then Clarissa say let's double check that okay let's, let's come make, on through make sure you know yes so, yes that was a great question First of all, I'm so happy that I ain't the only one in the room who be like, listen, trust is slow. Don't try to rush it because then not, then it will have to start over. I want to go all the way back. I just want to go on record for all the listening to the previous podcast. I told y'all how I roll. I'm like, look, Liz be bringing in so many people into the family. I always side out. <laughs> I always side out. I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know you, but I want to. But I, I security and safety. But, but I also... I also appreciate the fact that like they serve, there's a purpose that those behaviors or Absolutely. that the like, like you said to one of the fabric of who you are and how it serves you in different way. And also being aware and telling others about that, because I don't think like Shara and I are very similar in a lot of ways, but we are very different in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of those differences, if we weren't aware of, Maria and I, I Chair hasn't named her, but I ain't naming it. I ain't naming it. <laughs> or are they non-binary? Names. No, they, but, I ain't keeping no names. No, no, they're not non-binary. It's, I'm it's, not naming it's, it. It's that she'll not be named. It shall, it right. shall not be named. It's like not going to take up no space. That's <laughs> right. It won't. It's my name. Y'all not going to talk to me. Mm-mm. No. That but I don't think it would have. I don't think it would have mm-hmm. worked, Shara. Like the partnership and. And, and as coaches, that's something so important. It's something that you learn. I didn't know it, it was there. And, and I think that's why it works. Like if you think about MFR and our consortium, mm-hmm. if you think about the work that we're doing with other, other people in CDI, it's like we are very, very, very self-aware. And we also give space to other people really good listeners, which is something that was really hard for me to do because as an accountant working in oil and gas, 
you go into that room prepared and anticipating questions. So you have the answer before they even ask it. Uh, and that, that, that messes with your listening skills. And you really don't understand the whole kind of holistic view of it. So I had to unwind 20 years of behavior to then yeah. be this person. Yeah. And I want to run something back, right? Because I, I feel like this our conversation, as good as it is, and all the notes that I can take, and we'll be taking when I re-listen to it. Um, I want to go back to when you were talking about the space that CDI creates, specifically when you made the example about white women, right? If you have in that avatar as far as who is in the room that you're trying to figure out how you want to show up, what's your words, what's your triggers, what's your boundaries, right? I do want to go, I do want to share like Melanie and I, like the class that I was in was pretty diverse, right? So the people come to CDR are not always people of color, right? They are white people, whether gender differences, et cetera, and social economic differences. And their reason for being there is totally different. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, Melanie, and, Melanie and I shared um, recently with each other when we were talking about what safety means, right? So she's, it's, a, it's on one of our episodes and Melly was like, you know, the, her, the first time, I don't even know remember this, she was in the room and like we had our first day meeting and everybody's going around introducing themselves and one of, the, one of the people in our program was like, I don't trust white women. <laughs> That's literally part of the intro. I'm here because I work with a bunch of white women, I don't trust white women. And Melly's like, okay, you know, I'm a white woman in this space. How do I want to show up? And she talks about how she's like, well, let me just get the get the clear it out. I am a white woman, you know, like that that moment, right? And I I I bring that up to say that the space is for everybody who wants to do this work. And not only that, everybody comes with something different because in that moment, I even I didn't even know that was coming up for me, but someone created the space to start to deal with my own triggers, which was like, how vulnerable am I going to be in this space with so many people who are not like me? But then I'm in this space where I'm like, is this black woman here leading this way with all this information and knowledge and in office is really like, how can I, I want this too. So how do you, when you think about building these cohorts, like how do you put it together? Like you and Gloria's vision of like making this work in such an inclusive and ex- in almost an exclusive way, it right? Is. Because it's so intimate. Yes, it is. It is very inclusive, but yet exclusive. It is. And I, I, I am so, see, it only, it, it takes alum like you guys to, to have this conversation with the public because for the longest time, I'm like, y'all don't need to know what happens in that room. If, if you're not there, you don't need to know what happens in there. If you want to be there, you'll be there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how curious are you? Just show up. You know what I mean? But after a while, I mean, that's what I was, that was my attitude. I was like, look, if you really want to be in that room, you're going to get in that room and you're just going to believe it's going to happen. (laughs) Well, we know that's not business, but the point is, is that um, having students like Melanie who could receive words like that. Now check this out. So when you put together a cohort, you're reading because our application is not short. It's not like, what's your name? Give us your contact information and that's it. We want to know a lot about you, right? So we want to honor who you are um, from your pronouns to how you self-identify to your religion to also your expertise and industries that you represent. We try to balance industries. We try to balance um, having different uh, religious views because 
again, the whole point is to be able to coach across diverse lines. And the more diverse the room is, the deeper or the more amazing the curriculum will show up because people are going to speak from that lived experience and, and how they were entered into the world. So having a Melanie, for instance, who is a self-identified white female from Washington State. I do know Melanie. So you, it's very white up there. Okay. So she has an amazing testimony. Her story is amazing. But you don't know that from that application. Our application gave us who she was and how she identified to the world in one way. And we know a little bit about her personally, but then we get in the room and that curriculum opens up on you. Then we find out what makes Melanie the beautiful woman she is. Yes. The yes. human that she is. Yes. And to be able to receive messages across the room, back and forth for all the different people in that room and to have enough space in your container to receive those voices and not take it personally. Like, oh, that container. Oh, that container. Oh, it gets me uncomfortable. Your container, your container now big enough for what you got. To, this, I don't mean, I just got to interrupt. I'm so sorry. My spirit just moved so quick. I said, <laughs> he talking about that container. Let me tell y'all something. Whoever was in person when we were doing this, oh yeah, I, I wish that I would have went. I okay, first of all, I appreciate my experience, but let me just be honest. I was so full up and overflow every hour on the hour. It's so much emotion that comes yeah. up when you are in this space, and you haven't really learned neutrality and objectivity yet. So you're taking on all the emotions in the room for that first um, couple of sessions. I mean, that first three sessions, and you're like, whoo this is heavy work do I want to do this and then you get freed and liberated uh middle of the way through when you realize the object objectivity and neutrality that you can create and and the two words that when you talk about DNI and when I think about that cup right how much you're putting in and putting out the words freedom and liberation yeah right like that freedom and liberation from the heaviness of the world, from the heaviness of all the lived experiences in that space, outside of that space, yeah. the heaviness of what we are trying to do that hasn't always yielded the results, right? That we would like to see either collectively or individually, all of that empties out. Yeah. And that cup is so much different, right? That cup is for you and not for others. No. Nope. Like no longer does it have space. It's gone. No, it's like- no, it's gone. And I like to see it as like how I I looked at your program, Tawana, is I had this seemingly armor on me, right? That I thought was very protective and very strong. And you just that whole class, that and not just you, but also the other other members who are pushing you and pushing and pushing and pushing and and opening up these triggers that you didn't have and kind of unpacking all these things that you you were like I was perfect (laughs) far from it and so you unpack all this armor but guess what you're gonna rebuild it right back oh and it's gonna be oh that's it Liz that's yeah it's the breakdown to pull to build back up yeah and not only that you're gonna build back up add a cape Add a crown and put a whole yes. army behind you. Mm. Yes, it's the army. It's the army for me, y'all. Because I was like, now I feel safe. Now I, I feel love like this. This is my love, people. This is my people. This sounds amazing. It sounds so good. Because Liz, that's exactly true. 
every student, every cohort is, they look good when they come in. They got their resumes. They showed up in the world. They're superpowers. They're running their heads of this and, you know, global leader of that. They are no, they are not just the average person straight off the street. These people have clout. They come in shiny, you know, head to toe good. And yes, they do, we do sit there and say, and we literally, we level a playing field in the room because everybody's important. But yep. we do, Liz, that is a perfect thing that does happen. And that I have never said it that way before, but yeah, we, we do. One piece at a time, we take that armor off and we just say, lay that piece beside your, right there beside you on the, in the floor next to your feet or just in front of you. Just lay it there temporarily. And while you guys are, you know, piecing parts of falling to the floor, my little uh, workshoppers are, you know, my little, you know, the curriculum, parts of the curriculum uh -huh. coming in and it's shining that joker up. It's taking each piece and buffing it, adding value, adding, you know, all the ingredients that you need to shine it up and fortify and reinforce the, the little cheeks in the armor, okay? The little things that were irritating you that you were living with, that we were going to buff that right out. You don't have to live with that no more. Let's buff that out, right? So all of that. And so at the end of it all, you get assistance to putting that armor back on. Yes. That partnership is helping you to restore that presence with all those things worked out, not to be perfect, but to realize you have new validation. You have a you. we see you better than you were when you walked in. So you look better, you sound better. And all of that is happening again from day one to the last day. And I love the way you said that because that it is about the armor. Because as, as people from historically marginalized community who still represent the global majority, we still second guess everything about ourselves. As mm -hmm. if as if we can't, we, ju we just don't see who we are. We're told not to see who we are. We're taught that. And even through our parental circles, you know, that how we were raised with love, they protected us. It's like you, you can't be all of that in this world because they don't like it. So you have to put that away so that, you know, you only do that when you come home. And that sacrifice, that sacrifice, that's the best parts of you. Mm -hmm. The best parts of you that you have to tuck away. And so, yeah. again, I think the gift um, that you all are giving to the world is the voices that you're giving in this moment right now, the diversity of who you guys are and the, as a team, that the diversity of thought, the diversity of expertise, the diversity, you know, ethnically, I think it's brilliant. And I, I, I pray so much success that you guys have run over um, with more than you can handle with a strong foundation that you would have to say no. I can't. So, so are let you me crying, No, I'm not crying. I'm saying thank you. And why is it every time we get together, I learn even less about you and you done filled up so many other cups. I swear my intention <laughs> was to get the details and the information about you and your life and your history. And I walked away. I said, she's filling up these cups. What? I can't never get. We're going to find out, Tawana. I want to know. One day we're gonna do we're gonna do the after hours. I'm gonna be like so. In September, no, in a, in October, in, look, October. in October, we should we look. We're gonna have to cut the cameras on if we want to catch that because you know we having a happy hour. So who look look so after the symposium, there's a happy hour right right there. So once we're done, we just go to the next room where you got music, fun, and all. Oh god, that's what we're gonna do it after hours. Wine and drinks. We're gonna yes. have to have that 
you know? Well, before, but before we promote the symposium, I have to ask one other question. Yes. So one thing about the room, right? You talked about the diversity of the room and the power of the room and collective. The part in my class or my cohort that really gave me a lot of hope, like it's so many, so many places of hope. There was so many students in my class in that first session, right? So I ain't giving too much away, but sometimes your sessions will be different, right? Depending on people's availability, but where you are in the program stays consistent. Um, which by the way, that's a hard, that's probably a scheduling nightmare behind the scenes, but okay, kudos to you. Um, but what I will say is the students in there were so the generations. Uh, the, it was multiple generations, but like behind where I am in generation wise and their willingness to embrace the difficult, mo the difficult conversations and the concepts was so much faster. It was so much intentionality. Like they came in with, with their armor already in their backpack yeah. and they were like, so let's work. And so we about to change this world. And so I don't know about Shaw, but let me, let me not only lean in and share right and and be confident that I may not have these corporate jobs y'all got but this is my lived experience but also I'm here because I got to take this back to my college or my my class or my school and I have to have an impact because I'm here for a purpose mm -hmm. and then three it was such that their hopefulness right they had so much hope around this work that it wasn't on us like the the, the elders or the people who were in the you know the the generation now and before me it was more about, no, we all working and we we already got our torch. We, you don't have to wait for us. We already in the game. And so that hope, I, it translated for me into hope because yeah, it's, you can see that with your, 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 you know, younger people in your family, you can see pockets of that, but you know them differently. But to see it show up so confidently in that space that we have a lot we have a lot more help in this work, a lot more open-mindedness yes. and love towards this. And so when you see that happen, what, what, yeah, what, is, what are to you, you experiencing? Yeah. Right, like what are you experiencing? No, that is, oh gosh. Now this is where I'm going to get real like fangirl geeky like, but I'm going to tell you something. When a, when a cohort, when I meet the cohort after off the paper into like in the classroom, I have no idea if we called it right. You know what I'm saying? We don't like, did we mix this right? But I promise you that when you have, this is the thing that always gives me, when you have a black man with someone in their 20s, with everything in between, that is a class that's going to explode. Because we always going to get the executive women like you. We're going to get those different demographics, different parts of the world, different languages, different colors, all that, right? We're going to get that. But when you are blessed enough to get a Black man, who... That, we had one, he showed up and showed out. He showed yes. up and showed You know out. who he is, Tawana. Yes, 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 yes. 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 Can we name and him? We, we can name him. No, no, no. No, we no, can't I name wouldn't. him. Okay. <laughs> so, so when that happens, you know, you're like, who? We, we the when I call the original when I when and I and I always do this is because it's it. I then I focus on every student, but the goal is to figure out how do I get the class to understand this young person when they've been discounted and not respected in most cases. How do I get the class to see this black man 
who knows that he's not respected in most places. Mm-hmm. And they're learning and everyone's learning at the same time. So for me, it's like the gift that to see all the parts of the thing coming together in concert and working. But whenever you have those two ingredients in the classroom, the learning is extremely rich and it's challenging, very challenging. And they, when they're comfortable, they go in. Now it's the charge of the young generation. They're just like, what's wrong with y'all? It's the energy of saying, why y'all just now getting this? What we need for you to do is get in or get out. Like figure, you know what I mean? It's that charge of that generation and the charge of the, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm tired. So when those two bookends come together with everything in between, that's magic. Magic. But you know what? They also asked a question in that session that I couldn't believe, which was, they said, so why, they were like, so when you realize you weren't able to make, to, to move DNI as far as you wanted, why haven't you given up? So I think in the moment, people were like, what you mean we ain't moving? They were like, it hasn't made the leaps that, that we have been asking you. I mean, they're literally just yeah. looking at the situation. Like this hasn't moved that far since we got civil rights in certain ways. And right, and, and some of it's regressive. And they asked it and the environment was so safe that they started to get questions. Yeah. Well, we're tired. Or yeah. guess what? We got too comfortable. Yes. Right. Or we thought things were going to happen. Or what happened? We were, we, we were given promises. We mm-hmm. thought we were going to get what we asked for. They promised us. They gave us just enough to keep us quiet. Those are the type of answers that come out, right? And it sets them up for success when they get back out in the field. They're like, okay, now I get it. I don't have to judge them so harshly now because now I've heard why. But my, but they are now a choice. Am I going to continue to judge them harshly or am I going to coach them to action? And see, it doesn't matter what age. It's like, can you coach someone who's a different age than you to get back in the game with all the tools, even after you are exhausted and tired and you want to quit? Can I coach you off the bench? That's what I want to know. Yeah. And that's what our, our that's the are. best part. That's the best part is that it's in action. You walk away after you do all this work is the, the yep. power of the listening and the questions allow you to make the change that you want to see because it comes in the individual, it comes in the collective, it comes in the accountability, but also you don't have to take any of it with you. No. You can allow yourself to I be- I think Sharon and I, you and I are both like that. We carry on our shoulders because we've been taught through our families that you have to carry the burden on your whole family. And so you carry that in all your aspects, but that kind of taught us to, nope, I'm partnering with you. We're co-creating this plan, but you have to do the work. That's right. It's the accountability shifts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is well, I have one more question because we, we are running over and we've promised our listeners that we are keeping these short. I in the spaces that I've been in, especially moving over to the UK. I've been I've been part of some of the um, coaching programs in the UK um, with ICF and we had like an inclusion and belonging series. And. When I'm in those spaces, now I know it's the UK and I have to be aware of, you know, uh, uh, ethnically what that looks like, right? But even here in the US, coaching has been reserved for 
the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. And I know you like that's one of the reasons why Shara and I picked CDI because it was a program that worked in partnership with our DEI work and our vision and our mission. Why is it so important for you, Tawana, to bring diversity in coaching? Yeah. So the, I'm gonna I'm gonna use some words that are going to be trending um, soon, and you'll be hearing it. It's democratizing coaching, in the same way um, we've seen other things democratized. Coaching initially was reserved for executives simply because of the cost. It was too expensive to afford across the organization. So it was exclusive to people who could afford it. And knowing that that is true, how do you make coaching affordable and accessible to everyone? And that's where I, that was, again, like you said, that it was a part of my vision. I want people to have access to coaching in the same way they have access to the clergy, their best friend and mom and them. That's the, the, I used to say that over and over again in my marketing. Because in, in historically marginalized community, those are the three people, your pastor, your best friend and your mama. Yeah. That's it. That, and and you didn't go to counseling and therapy and you didn't know what well, coaching wasn't around at the time. So now let's talk about introducing a skill where you can be still with those core three people that you love and adore. And now you got a coach or you have coaching skills to begin to now deepen self-awareness so that we can now make coaching accessible to anyone because I can use coaching skills every day of my life. I don't have to be a formal coach to use this skill to change my life or the life of my family members. Mm-hmm. So if you're using this skill, that's kind of like just giving access to everyone to be coached. And so if you're willing to use this skill personally and or professionally, the impact is significant because this skill is, is transferable. It's, it, it will move mountains. It saves marriages. And so when, and, and I've seen it work so many miracles. So for me, um, the idea was to make sure that everybody had access to it, no matter who you were in any level of organization or anywhere in any community. So if that meant giving away what I call pro bono coaching to nonprofit groups because they didn't have the money, there are some coaches in our community, as you know, do pro bono work. Mm-hmm. They're executives and they d- dedicate their time to free coaching because that is what they're called to do. Yeah. And we embrace that. And then you have others that use it every day, just in general conversation who don't have practice. And then you have all of those, of course, who are internal. I mean, there's so many ways you can do it. And so for me, I am a part of the marketizing coaching, making sure everyone has access to it, make sure that there are no boundaries and barriers for people to get it, get into it and or have access to it so that we can begin to change these spaces that have um, historically excluded people to include a skill like coaching. It's Oh, it's only, you know, it's exclusive. It's only for people who can afford it. Well, guess what? Now it's not. Mm-hmm. No, that's amazing period period, period. that's what and you're supposed to put up there. and period <laughs> i mean so one i i really appreciate you, us kind of ending at this space right because that is one of the things that from a corporate standpoint that was the biggest aha moment right is we we get people too late you coaching folks at the executive level who don't have the time sometimes to really lean into this work. And I would say the executives I get to coach, they they are they recognize the work and they are leaning in, especially if it's of their choosing. But I will tell you that the power of getting this early, like Liz and I are different people because we were able to get this skill set 
and not and use it differently, not just for ourselves, but for others. And to think that if we just decided not to come to CDI, who would we be right now? Mm-hmm. And if our gifts wouldn't have been opened up. And so, you know, we typically like to end this session with some closing reflections. And I think my biggest reflection, other than feeling gratitude and thankful for this moment, because I know how precious your time is and how much you are so willing to invest in so many people that your time means a lot to you. But I would say that the biggest part I realized was start, right? The the biggest hurdle, right, that was in between me getting to CDI versus where I was, was that I, I started. I didn't know. I leaned in and I just started. I said, oh, I'm signing up and I'm started. And I didn't have all the answers to your point. I was a part of that class where you like, and if you're curious, just show up. I was like, wait a minute, what? What? I need more information. I'm a, I need to know. But, um, but what I would say is start, right? Because at the end of start is that you get to then decide when you finish, when it concludes, how, what experiences you get to take from it, who's involved, who gets a piece of it too. And so that there is where you find the opportunity for empowerment for yourself and others. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to at least share that with the group as far as something to consider for our listeners as they've gone through this journey. Liz, to Dr. Well, Tawana, I'm going to give it to Tawana. Yeah. Do you want to share a reflection? Yeah, I can tell you um, that having this moment with the both of you is the validation I need. Again, I, I get the gifts from the universe that keeps me on the front lines to stay in this room, to continue to do this work. It's moments like these. So again, you know, no matter how much you, other students, do you see them, that's energy. But when I have moments like this, this is the stuff that's fire for my fuel. And it's like, look, I can keep moving because they just told me that this is working after class is over, not before class, during class, like when it's all over and you guys have been gone I mean, it wasn't like y'all would just, it wasn't like yesterday, y'all nope. made not a minute. So yeah. y'all still acting like this, you know, and that's the whole point. It's like, this is why we do this. We catch fire. This is why we do it. I want to go through it again. I was like, I missed it. Right. I missed no, my like CDI I thing don't. again. <laughs> sure, not like, me. No. Not through that. Nope. <laughs> One done. Got the t-shirt. I'm out. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Y'all go ahead with that spirit of restart. I'm not in it. No. I, I that was enough. I don't want. I don't know. I don't know if I got nothing for that cup. Actually, mm-hmm. she does. She just. You know what? She's doing the same thing she did when she first started the first time. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. Tell it. Tell it the truth. Tell, it, tell, tell it, it the truth. Tell it to move so it can get out of the way so it can move. <laughs> All right, I, I'm about to hang up. Y'all can finish this out. I'm done. It that uh, will not be named needs to move. Voldemort. <laughs> Liz, what's your reflection? I'm, I'm not dealing with it. I'm letting that spirit go. Um, Liz, what is your reflection? So, oh my gosh. I mean, I think I'm just going to end with gratitude. And um, I think both Shara, you and Tawana shared a lot of great moments of reflection for people. I will, and I always say this to our listeners, think about your impact and think about what what that impact looks like for you and also really think about like your value system and the and the armor that you've been carrying how exhausted are you because we all tired I don't care if you admit it or not my abuelita and my mom won't admit it that they're tired because they just don't do that but we are tired and reach out reach back find your army 
And yeah. so I think that's that's what I would leave with. And Tawana, thank you so much for this. It's been an honor to have you on our show. I'm already getting messages from the, I'm a CDI WhatsApp group. Where is it on? Where is it? Y'all wait. You got to get it edited. You know, it's okay. But you can catch us on Instagram at More Than Words Podcast. We are on Facebook. We have a Community Connections book that it's going to have exclusive content um, soon. Um, if you have questions for us or if you have other questions uh, for Dr. Burroughs, please send them in to Liz and Shara at More Than Words Podcast. You can go on to coachdiversityinstitute.com and learn more about that coaching program. Get signed up. There's a new cohort coming in September, I believe. Mm -hmm. So get up because I'm pretty sure they're already signed up. So there's that. So thank you, Dr. Burroughs, so much for this. It's been oh, amazing. Love you both. All right, I'll see you soon. All right, thank you. Thank you.